welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, this week we are back with uh, another new movie. This one is fresh off the grill. Five Nights at Freddy's. Maybe one of the first PG-13 movies we've done in a while. Mm. You think? Maybe, yeah, I don't I know. When was, when was the last PG-13 movie we did? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you you picked this movie, right, Craig? What made you decide to do Five Nights at Freddy's? To, suggest it for today. Well, I kind of picked it. I just, I like doing new movies. Uh, I like seeing new movies and I like talking about them. And I feel like when something just comes out, you know, it's on people's minds. People are excited about it. They're going to see it. They may want to talk about it or listen to us talk about it. Yeah. So last week when we were talking about what we were going to do this week, I just said, you suggested something, a tribute or something, I think. And I said, well, there's a bunch, there's a lot of new stuff out right now and i just started listing stuff off and as soon as i said five nights at freddy's you were like "Ooh, let's do that (laughs) so i didn't so much pick it as as uh suggest it but i was excited because i'm not even really sure why i think it's just because i have known i've been aware that um they've been trying to make this movie for a long time like yeah since 2014 2015 something like that yeah it's gone through different studios it's gone through different directors and stuff and i remember reading you know all the times that it was supposed to happen and it just Things fell through. And then, so when it finally happened, I was like, oh, well, I've been hearing about this movie for years. Yeah, right. (laughs) There must be, there must be something to it. And I know that it's based on a video game, but I'm hoping that that's where you can inform me more because I know nothing about, and, and I know that it's not just a video game. Now it's like a whole world of video games. Yeah. There's like nine main video games and a bunch of smaller ones that are offshoots and, and some fan ones that, have kind of been funded by the author of the original game. So you, you've you never played it. No. Actually, this wasn't even on my radar. I also knew it. they've been talking about it pretty much ever since the game came out mm-hmm. and got popular. I never imagined that it would ever come out. I mean, I figured it would probably come out eventually because it's become such a infamous video game and kind of a yeah. cultural touchstone. I feel like even people who aren't into gaming at least have heard of this at some point. I think people are familiar with the imagery. Yeah. The, the images of those animatronics. Um, I've seen it around. Like, I feel like it's in the pop culture zeitgeist and i think that you're probably right that some people don't even know where it's from but the imagery is familiar yeah and i didn't even know this movie was finally coming out until i was in thailand a couple months ago and i saw the the previews for it. i was like holy crap where have i been like i didn't realize it was actually happening Uh, the video game has a very interesting history behind it i remember when it came out in 2014 because i'm a bit of a gamer and what happened was basically there's this guy named scott scott cawthon devout christian was actually making christian oriented games founded a software company to do it It was kind of a one-man show more or less Uh, i think he had some friends from time time and time again but mostly all on his own he was making christian themed rp RPGs and things, not really making enough to pay the bills. He he kind of went to just doing real quickie like mobile games or flash games and stuff online. But they were all family oriented and and um, had this kind of message behind it. He came out with this game called Chipper and Sons Lumber Company, which was about a bunch of beavers and some different characters. And I think it was sort of a a resource management game where you're trying to like harvest lumber and build things or something like that. Sure, sure. But that game got a little infamous because people picked up on the character designs. You know, he did all this himself with like some 3D rendering tools. And this was 2014. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not so good at it, maybe you're, you're a one man show. Uh, the results may be less than stellar. And people commented about how freaky <laughs> these beaver characters looked in his game. And so it was being laughed at like this game is scary. It's supposed to be this cute, funny little kids game. But these characters are freaky. So he actually was very depressed for a little while and then was like, well, then f- it. I'm going to make a horror game, you know? <laughs> and so he used these characters and he came up with this concept, which I think is pretty smart. And I'm kind of surprised nobody's done it before. At least the idea that they're now they're these animatronics that come to life in, in an old sort of Chuck E. Cheese style pizzeria family fun center. 
Mm-hmm. When the game came out, he like I said, he just repurposed those models for the game. Said, "All right, I'm just going to embrace the the creepiness of it and really amp it up." And it came out in 2014, and uh, was posted on Steam, and instantly became popular because YouTubers were playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the Let's Play type videos, and yep. so they're like laughing and freaking out. The game is really all about jump scares. You are a guy who's sitting in a chair. You don't move around. It's just you know your point of view. And you're confronted with a bunch of screens in front of you, surveillance cameras. And the idea is you have to survive five nights as a night security guard in Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. It's it's just a, a Chuck E. Cheese type knockoff. Yeah. The idea is that you have limited electricity for some reason. And these <laughs> animatronics come to life for some reason. Like initially the explanation is, well, they need to be allowed to be sentient because if they just sit there, their servos, you know, go bad. So they need to be allowed to move around. But then they get homicidal. And so for some reason, there's very little electricity in this building throughout the night. And so you're sitting there and all of your controls are basically you look at all the monitors (laughs) and you can decide to turn the lights on and off in different rooms. And you have two doors that lead to your security thing. But in order to keep them closed and locked, that uses electricity. And so you're just basically staring at these monitors and uh, watching your electricity go down, so then you turn off the lights in a room, and you turn off the lights in another room. But you know these things are walking around potentially, so you turn on the lights in another room, and suddenly, oh shit, one of them's missing. (laughs) Or you turn on the lights in another room, and suddenly like one of them's staring up at the camera, and you can see it's getting closer. And so... You know, with with kind of a map in front of you, you can see where they might be based on their security cameras and know when to close and lock your doors. Otherwise, there's a jump scare. One of them will get into your room and just go, ah, kind of right in front of you in your face on the screen. I've played it a couple times. It's not my cup of tea because it's really, really hard. Really? Yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, I mean, I think if, if you were dedicated and you were like, I want to really figure this game out, you could sit down and have the patience to kind of sort that out. But otherwise, I lost interest after about 20, 30 minutes. I was going to say, like, the way you described it, I said, that sounds really fun for about five minutes. But, like, what happens? Like, I don't get it. Like, aside from the obvious, it wouldn't be a very fun game. Why wouldn't you just keep the doors locked all the time? Like Because keeping the doors closed runs the electricity down. And once your electricity's run out... The door's open. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're totally exposed, yeah. So, as a game, I think it was kind of middling, like, the mechanics of it, but it really resonated with the public, uh, the gaming public and the YouTube public, as far as its jump scares and the craziness of it. And so, he immediately made sequel after sequel, and then started adding actual lore to it. And I think another thing that has made the game so popular is that within the later games, he's added mini-games. Yeah. Which are referenced in the credits to this to this movie. And um, when you beat those mini-games, you'll unlock little hidden bits of the story, like of the backstory. And so it's been one of those things where there are Easter eggs he's put in there and little mini-games he's put in there where he doesn't make it clear up front, even if you play through the whole game, like what all the little backstory details are like why are these things you know who made them and what's the whole st- you know and so it just you know it makes it more interesting it gives people sure. something more to do some more to talk about online something to make youtube videos about and so it's gone on for nine official games and there's a number of side games he's written some books some novels on it yeah They're trying to get this movie made for a decade and finally it, it happened so here we are today highly anticipated Five Nights at Freddy's yeah, <laughs> movie. I, right, right. And I, I want to talk about it, but my lingering question is, like, for those nine main games, is it does it remain sit behind the screens? Or did it, did it evolve to, like, an RPG or something? I'm not an expert, but I did kind of, because I haven't played them all, but I did kind of walk through them a little bit while I was uh, preparing for this. Uh-huh. I think the sequel is very similar most of the games, you do not move from where you are. Okay. But you might not be in that room. Uh, one of the games, you're even in a bedroom. Like, the concept is that the characters have followed you home or uh-huh. are being sent to your house. And so you're in your bed, and, uh, you know, they might be coming down the hallway or coming through your closet or something like that, and you have to do some kind of management there. I'm not exactly sure how that works. One of the games in the series, I believe, it opens up the, the duct work. 
for the player to actually move through. So you can move from room to room only through the ductwork. Okay. But most of them are, yeah, just kind of more simple, sit in one place and... Is it a PC game? Oh, it's available for every platform. It started gotcha. out as a PC game, and once it got popular, uh, you know, it was remade for every every console platform you can think of, including your phone. In fact, I'm pretty sure the version I ended up playing it on was an Android version. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I really, I didn't know any of that. I just knew it was a video game. Yeah. And I, I liked the imagery. I think it's a cool idea too, you know, because this movie was in limbo for so long and there were multiple directors, there were multiple scripts, two other movies came out before it clearly based on the same premise like mm. uh, the banana splits movie they based on the banana splits show from like the 1970s i think but it's the same exact thing it's just you know animatronics coming alive and going on a murderous rampage and then nick cage was in another one yeah willie's wonderland Willy's wonderland which we've talked about before yeah we have we've talked about doing it and we just haven't i've been wanting to do it because i looked at it and i was like oh that's basically five nights at freddy's why isn't it Five Nights at Freddy's, you know, like I I just think it's because this one took so long to come out. In fact, there's speculation that the Banana Splits movie is based on a script that was supposed to be Five Nights at Freddy's, one of the scripts that got rejected. Well, since we're talking about this, there is a Reddit thread that Scott Cawthorn, the creator himself, who wrote uh, the script for this movie, along with a couple other people, he posted where he outlined very briefly all of the different scripts ideas that they went through do you want to do you want to hear them real quick sure <laughs> so the first one he called the f screenplay the basic setup was that they're a group of teenage troublemakers who break into freddy's and chaos ensues that's your pretty typical sure yeah or movie trope thing and and he, he and he writes the problems with that that like although it was a pretty basic setup there were a lot of odd choices in there that only got weirder as the story continued and it ended with the protagonist in a secret underground animatronic factory that was designing robots for the government Ooh. and he was like yeah i mean it just strayed a little too far from the source material and so okay. they tossed it then there was the plushies take manhattan screenplay literally <laughs> They just take Manhattan. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> there was the random Charlie screenplay where Charlie and his friends sneak into Freddy's after hours to retrieve a lost toy. And I think Charlie is a character from the game series. Okay. And he said, as, although the, the characters in here shared the name of familiar characters for the series, they really had nothing to do with the game and book counterparts. So it felt just like it was a little too loosely based. Mm -hmm. So they... they Strap that. Now, the fourth screenplay they were looking at was called the Silver Eyes screenplay, which was based on a novel that he wrote. I think it was his first Five Nights at Freddy's novel called Silver Eyes. And they worked it up over the course of a year, trying to find the right approach to the story from the first book. But then um, he said he just was not very experienced at writing screenplays. He didn't do a very good job of it. It suffered from his inexperience. And even though he had help, it just, it just couldn't save it. He decided at that point to focus on making a screenplay from the games and not from the books. The other screenplay idea was called a pawn shop screenplay, where a kid who watches after a pawn shop finds trouble when an animatronic is brought in. And it turns out that mm. Freddy's has been robbed and the animatronics were taken to different locations for sale. And they all sort of come to life to retrieve that one that's the pawn shop. And then that kid and his friends all get roped into the adventure. Okay. I could see that one. Yeah, and they said that was not enough horror. It was more after-school uh -huh. adventure. And then there was the Cassidy screenplay. And I don't oh know. My there's God, how many of them are there? <laughs> there's uh, there's a few more. I'll just, I'll make it quick. Okay. The Misfit Kid screenplay. Single mom brings her kid into a new town. Kid finds Freddy's. Hilarity ensues. It wasn't a bad setup, but he said it just didn't work. The problem was just having a reason for this kid to go to Freddy's and keep going there to have his misadventures, right? Mm -hmm. There was the Ghost Tracker screenplay where a group of amateur ghost hunters sneak into the abandoned Freddy's, which is also another common setup, right? Mm -hmm. But again, like, how do you give these characters a connection to Freddy's? And right. too much of the story went into the, their, their backstories, basically. Uh, then there was the Insane screenplay, which he calls it. This was another Ghost Tracker-type variation, but this one involved the Funtime animatronics, underground ball pit tunnels, and a marionette out for revenge. <laughs> and he said, as, as some of the other screenplays ventured a little too far into adventure, this one went too far into action. It was just too all over the place with too many characters doing too many things. Finally, after all this, they came to this, what he calls the Mike screenplay, which said... <laughs> 
he said made so much sense that he doesn't know why he didn't think of it before. And he felt like it had the best pieces from all the previous screenplays with all the right stakes and motivations and characters and things with a good central story and scary enough. So there you have it. There's the background of uh, what took so long to get this movie going. You know, I think about that's kind of fascinating, right? Like we never see this sausage being made. We always hear about it, but you never hear about like this writer was brought in and then he got canned and then this writer was caught into then they scrapped that script and two guys other and then they reworked a script from another movie into this. You know, you always hear those things. It'd be interesting to hear more of the details, you know? What did it start out as versus what it became? Yeah. So it was really nice of him to post that Reddit thread, I thought. Yeah, that that's cool. I mean, it's it's cool history. It's just interesting that they, I don't know, they those all sound nutty. But like, <laughs> this... This movie's nutty too. It Jesus. is. It's, it's real. The script really is a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a mess. I just, I kept thinking it so many times, like, why is this happening? Like, right. like, like they like it's probably what about halfway into the movie that they realize that the animatronics are sentient and they keep going back there. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you the doing? Choices, the choices they're making are fascinating, and then it almost seems like the animatronics are okay. It's just well, they have it's they fun. They, they have fun sometimes. They like build forts and lay right. down and take naps together. Like it's. It's very strange. Bizarre. And the backstory is very strange. Gosh, here's the thing. Like, I wanted to really like this movie. I thought that it had a lot of promise. I was excited about... I, I love the look of the animatronics. Mm. I love the design. And I thought that it could be really scary. I was surprised... Because I didn't know much about it. I, you know, I just pulled up the IMDb page so I would know the actors' names uh, and characters' names. And I, it was PG-13, and that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's okay. You know, I, I, there's lots of good PG-13 horror movies. I'm not mad about it that it's PG-13, but I really think that they, they could have gone a lot farther and a lot gorier. And I think that this type of story kind of calls for that. Yeah. Otherwise... It feels a little cute. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's a little cutesy. I, I just wrote down a sentence when I was done watching the movie. I was like, this movie is really just a big, silly, convoluted piece of ridiculousness. It's kind of how I felt when I was done with it. Yeah, it is convoluted. The backstory is convoluted. We can go through the plot because it won't take long. Because um, it's pretty simple. But there's this whole backstory involving a multitude of murdered children <laughs> whose bodies were chopped up and put in those animatronic costumes yeah. and nobody ever looked in there because why would you? That's what one character says. Like, <laughs> nobody ever looked in the costumes because why would you? Why would you not? Like, I know. if you're looking for kids. Oh, my God. That was my big lingering question. I was like, as as it just seemed to get crazier and crazier the more the backstory I read. And I think it's probably about as much a convoluted mess as the games are. Mm-hmm. Because as I was reading a little bit of the lore from the games, I was like, oh, well, this is why. This is the lore from the games. It might even, it even seems to be a rather simplified version of the lore from the games. And you know what that's like. You're you're right. writing one you, you write one thing, you don't think you're going to have a sequel, then you're making a sequel, you don't sure. think you're going to have a third. The Saw movies get insanely convoluted oh because you know, nobody mapped this shit out when they made the first one. Right. You know, and so I forgive the guy for I mean, good for him for like trying to put some story in his game and really make give it a really rich and interesting mythology, but it sounds like it's convoluted as hell and that this movie just takes it. But if I were a fan of the games, I would think that those things would be really satisfying because even if they were convoluted, you would still feel like you were like building a lore, like building and, and, and you would feel like I'm constantly finding these new Easter eggs. I'm constantly learning new things. I think that that would be really satisfying. Right. Just throwing it all at the wall in one movie. I'm kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the movie is about PETA from The Hunger Games. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Josh Mike. Hutcherson. Yeah, Josh Hutcherson plays Mike, a grown-up. Josh Hutcherson can't play a grown-up. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that was the first unbelievable thing about this movie. <laughs> it was very strange. Okay, so, and and then I'm like, wait, he has like a 11-year-old kid? 
But it turns out it's, it's not his kid. It's his sister. Which did make sense to me. God, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how detailed we want to get to it, but like, okay, so his parents apparently are dead, and he is fast... Oh, God. Just thinking about how to retell it makes it so convoluted. Like, what details do I include? (laughs) Like, in the beginning, they make a big deal out of the fact that he's, like, studying dream theory, and he believes that you can remember every single thing that's ever happened to you in your life. It's just some of it's repressed, and you can bring it out in dreams, and if you can remember it right, you can change things? It's weird. <laughs> is that what he thinks? Well, initially, what he seems to think and what he seems to be telling people is there's some detail about this incident. But basically, when he was a kid and his, his family was camping, uh, his little brother ran off and he was supposed to be looking after him. He ended up getting taken and never found. So abducted, basically, yeah, by some guy in a car that drives off through the woods. And, uh, and this has been troubling him his whole life. And so, like you said, he keeps intentionally dreaming to relive this very same experience night after night like he has cues they camped in the in the wilderness of nebraska he's got a poster of the nebraskan wilderness above his head uh-huh, he puts on the sounds of the nature and everything in his ears and 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 uh everything so that he will dream this dream over and over again and initially it sounds like he's at least it's some character he explains this to. It seems like he's trying to remember the detail of the the person driving the car. Yeah. But then later in the movie, the ghosts accuse him of actually thinking that he could change it. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and it's sad. I mean, that that whole that that's a kind of gut wrenching scene when you see his brother being kidnapped and looking out through the back windshield of the car at him. It's horrifying. It's it's scary. Um, I I had I had a recurring nightmare when I was a kid that I was with my parents somewhere and we were leaving and I got in the back seat of their car and the car started pulling away and I looked out the back like that kid was and I saw my parents looking for me and it, it was, I was in the wrong car. Oh shoot. Are um, you kidding me? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's like you were his his brother Garrett in, that, in this movie yeah oh wow. my gosh and I, w- I remember waking up so scared and, and that's it that was the end nothing else happened just just being driven away and seeing my parents looking for me but it was super scary so he's a security guard somewhere in the shopping mall I guess I, I think <laughs> they said some sometime later somebody says you were a security guard at a convenience store or something i don't know but he's in a mall and he has a security guard shirt on and he sees a little kid kind of standing by himself and then he sees a grown man kind of sternly and brusquely grab this kid and whisk him away so he chases this kid this guy down attacks him like tackles him into a fountain and beats the crap out of him. Beats him brutally. Little baby Josh Hutcherson. Oh. Yeah, and of course, this is before we've even seen the dream, so we're like, what is happening? Yeah. But it's all just a setup so that he's now unemployed, and he has to go to the unemployment office because <laughs> he has an aunt that wants to take custody away from him. The aunt is played by Mary Stuart Masterson, who I love i absolutely love her she's brilliant she was uh idgy and fried green tomatoes and a john hughes movie that i can't think of right now but she's fantastic and i love her and she's off not in terms of her performance but her character is just awful in this movie she just plays this hard cold bitch she's almost cartoonish in this movie really and she is cartoonish that was one of my criticisms is i wasn't sure what they were going for tonally here because she's cartoonish. She's got this cartoonish lawyer with her who walks around, goes with in Steve's a daze. All the time. That was weird. Like he was always like in a trance. Like she was constantly having to like snap him out of a trance. And I guess were we supposed to think it was funny? I I, I don't know. It would just it, it, that was weird. And then this guy who attacked and brutally brutally attacked this guy in the shopping mall for what turns out to be no reason. Right. 
where are the consequences? I, I, I guess I know he got, he fired, got fired, but like I was expecting to see him like oh, you'd be in, in jail, jail for, for a sure. little while or something, like having to deal with this through the court system, like one more complication to add to his life, you know? But it's just, no, okay, now, now you're unemployed. Well, shit, now I've got to find a new thing. So then he goes to a career counselor. Yeah, Steve. Who apparently he's been to before, right? <laughs> they... <laughs> I think so. Yes. But then, like, the guy, it's Matthew Lillard, who I also very much enjoy, you know, oh, yeah, uh, super famous from Scream, but he also um, played Shaggy. Shaggy in all of those. I only saw one of those movies. It was cute, and I thought that he was a great cast um, as a live-action Shaggy. It was like his dream to play Shaggy, and, and he's been playing Shaggy the both in live-action and voice for every single Scooby-Doo thing that's come out since. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Get that check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but it's it's fun to see him here. It's again, it's so odd to see people our age, like uh, old. Yes, <laughs> I know. Right? It's like I almost didn't recognize he, him. He looks great. He looks he's like different. his age. He just yeah, he just looks older. But he's the career counselor. And he's shifty, and it seems like they know each other. Like, it seems like he's like, oh, you're back again? Yes. Like, he goes through his whole file, and he's like, you've had, like, five jobs in the last nine months, and he's always getting fired um, because of his temper or something. I don't know. But then he's like, okay, thanks, Mike. Like, he's looking at the file, he's like, thanks, Mike Schmidt? And there's this weird, like... Some weird realization, like he didn't know this guy's name, mm -hmm. even though they know each other. Yeah. <sighs> I think I know why now. Well, I, but... yeah, now I know why, but... <laughs> but it's just... No, I don't buy it. I'm it sorry. It doesn't make any I sense. I don't buy this, this odd coincidence. All right, anyway. Okay, so then before that, before he saw the name, he's like, no, I don't. there's no way you can get a job. You're terrible. And then he sees his name, and he's like, wait a minute. I do right? have one job. <laughs> like, I can just see him, like, twiddling his fingers in front of his mouth, like, <laughs> uh, I do have one job available. And he he's like, the pay is crap, and the hours are terrible. But it's the only job you can get. And Josh Husherson's like, I can't because I can't work nights because he's got this kid. Yeah. And the, like, there are so many details that ultimately don't matter. Like, this kid, like, has special needs. Like, she, I don't know. She doesn't talk very much. And like a little autistic, maybe somewhere I, on the spectrum. I guess. I but if that's what they were going for, oh, God. It's a very like, it's, light. Yeah. Right. Like she's mildly autistic. Like I don't know. That, she just that, likes that, to draw a lot. Right. And they never say they never say autism. They never say anything like that. They but she struggles in school. She struggles socially. Mary Stuart Masterson like confronts I don't know a judge or something, and it's like uh, Mike is not a fit parent, and she has special needs, and I would be much better. And she comes in like a cartoon villain, threatening to take custody away, and that ultimately really doesn't matter, yeah. except for Mike feels like he has to get a job. Which he would need anyway. Right, exactly, <laughs> which he would need anyway. I mean, they, right. I don't know. I mean, both of their parents are deceased, which is also very vague. He says something like, after mom died, dad just couldn't take it. And that's it. Like, it's never yeah. explained any further than that. But so he has to get it. So he initially turns down the job. But then at, with the threat of losing his little sister, he calls Matthew Lillard back. And he's like, is that job still available? And Matthew Lillard's like, yeah. And then he explains it. You have to go guard this place, which is Chuck E. Cheese, but it's called something else. What is it called? Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. God, there was... um. What's the one I just said? Chuck E. Cheese. There was another one, too. Showbiz. Showbiz. Did you go to those places when you were a kid? Oh, dude. Dude, do not get me started. I, oh, If we start talking about this, this could be like an hour and a half episode. I have so many great fond memories of going to those places. I, I was in love 
with Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz and the idea of those places. I loved the robots. Yeah. You know, other people, like, they wanted to play the video games and they wanted to ride the rides and play in the ball pit, all of which I enjoyed doing, too. Sure. But I would jump up as soon as a show was going on to run in there and watch those robots do their thing. I, I yeah. thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I I think it was Chuck E. Cheese, maybe it was Showbiz, also had seats, like stools, by the stage oh. that would go up and down. Oh, I vaguely remember that. On the wall, they had like, uh, you know, like mounted trophies, like an elephant's head and a elephant's hands and things like that that would like move and clap at the end. I mean, it just felt to me like the room would come alive and I just thought the robots were as cool as hell. And even when the robots were not on, they were still moving. Like, they purposely had the robots just randomly, like, jitter a little bit or, like, blink their eyes or, like, shift every now and then. Oh, yeah. That's funny because I was fe- – <laughs> you're right. They did. They would still, like, blink. They would move just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and be, they, w- they would be mostly stationary between shows. Like, I feel like they would do, like, a five-minute show every 20 minutes or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, I was totally into the show. I'm I'm looking right now at images. Oh. I was thinking in my head, I think I remember liking Showbiz more. Well, Showbiz had the cooler robots. They had the cooler robots. And look, I'm looking at them now. They're creepy as heck now, looking at them. It's like every, like, you know, like these things get warped over time. When we were kids, we didn't think they were, I didn't think they were creepy. No, I thought they were awesome. When I was a kid, I didn't think clowns were creepy, you know, but now it's kind of part of the zeitgeist. Like clowns are just inherently creepy. These things are inherently creepy. Chuck E. Cheese, they had the sort of half, it was like waist up and they were way up in the air. And then below them, kind of in the wall underneath the robots, they had a cheese maze that you could crawl through that was also really awesome. Oh, I don't remember that. The showbiz was like a full on stage where the robots were full size. And and then one of the guys who helped design the robots split off and um, created showbiz pizza. There was some kind of split there. And so that's why the robots are kind of similar is because they were more or less designed by the same guy. I think it, this guy kind of ended up providing robots to most of these people. And at one time, this was a full-time massive production gig for him. He had giant warehouses where he was churning these animatronics out left and right for these places, uh, including some stuff for Disney and some other places. So it doesn't surprise me. Really interesting, actually. Man, years ago, I really got down a rabbit hole learning about this guy and that whole operation because I was fascinated with it. I loved that place so much. I still wish they were around. I know they're still around, they are. but they are a shell of what they used to be. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I haven't oh. been to one in forever, but there was one in a nearby town. Um, I think I took, well, my sister and I took uh, my niece and nephew, and it just... Yeah, it, it was not the same. But those places, like, yeah, for me, coming from a small town where we didn't have one in my town, that would be like a destination type thing. Like when we would go on vacation or we would visit other cities, we would go mm-hmm. to Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz. And not all the time, but, you know, it was like a fun treat. Uh, and I absolutely loved it, too. And that's what this is. So he gets this job as the night security guard at... A deserted Chuck E. Cheese, whatever it's called, Freddy's Fazburger or whatever. A <laughs> fur burger. Fazbear. Freddy Fazbear. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. And like, even the premise doesn't make any sense. Like, no. this place has been deserted for since the 40 80s. years <laughs> but yeah. they they hire somebody to guard it every night just so nobody comes in that doesn't make any sense what he says is, is something like well the owner just can't let it go or something like that and it is so transparent to the point where i figured well it's probably supposed to be transparent right that this guy is the owner like that's the only thing that makes sense the way he kind of cackles you know, when he sends him on the gig, some of the little things he says to him as he's sending him off. And then he goes, uh, I'll catch you on the flip side, hopefully. Yeah. Well, I was just like, there... all right, well, this guy's shady as hell. And so, of course, like, he's the guy, right? We I mean, didn't, I mean, we, we didn't talk about the cold open. Uh, you know, there there is a cold open where the security right. guard at that place gets chased around by an unseen thing and presumably killed and strapped to some like saw type table yeah i didn't get that at all like, i don't either he, he gets chased around by these animatronics 
he gets hit on the head or something. He wakes up, and then suddenly he's in this table or something. Kind it's, of. A, it's a chair, but it's got, like, iron manacles. Which just close automatically over him and his wrists. And then an animatronic face, whereas the inside is, like, all spinning blades and shit. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Being lowered onto his face. Uh I didn't I still don't understand. These that. costumes don't make any sense. The animatronic costumes oh are God. literally saw death traps. Yes. <laughs> well, this is the funny thing. The animatronics are one thing, right? In these places, there are animatronics, they're full on robots. But then they would have like a Chuck E. Cheese character, you know, just a suit that a guy would walk around in and, and sure. interact with kids. It's just a suit. It was not an a- half animatronic suit. No, 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 no. And I don't even understand how this would work. But apparently in this in this instance, there are also suits that yeah. people would wear to interact with kids that have animatronic insides. I don't know, but we can't let it get away from us. We need to talk about the animatronics because they were made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. It's not CGI. Most of it is animatronics. There are sometimes when the, the the animatronics rarely walk. Yeah, they're usually stationary, um, but you do see them walk every once in a while. One of them, Foxy. They all have names that correlate to what they are. <laughs> Foxy is a fox, and he is kind of like a Terminator <laughs> with a little bit of fox. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's seen the most wear. He's got that spooky, like decaying animatronic look that works so well for Terminator. Yeah, it's it's pretty. But the rest of them are. They look like you know they were almost like like they were made yesterday. They maybe they're a little dusty. That's about it. Yeah, and they're cool. They have the. I mean, if you if you're unfamiliar with the design concept, just Google Five Nights at Freddy's, and and yeah. they're very faithful to the look of the games. I thought they were awesome. I, I loved them. Awesome. I thought they were great, and I thought that uh, it was a, a good job because there there are sometimes when they move, and those were people in suits, but they were believable. But the whole concept of it doesn't even make sense because the first night that he's there, there's a training video with his name on it, and he watches it, and the woman explaining it from the 80s is like, they're, right. an- they're animatronic but we also had to kind of make them sentient so they could walk around on their own. What? It didn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But his first night there goes fine. Yeah. Like, no problem. It's fine. No problem. And he comes home and he relieves his babysitter, who we've seen a couple times, seems like a nice girl. She seems like she's just helping out. Uh-huh. And at this point, he's like, uh, I promise I'll pay you someday. And she's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. She seems super nice. Turns out she's a spy for Aunt Mary Stuart Masterson. Oh, God. And it's so convoluted. She's a spy. She's trying to, she's supposed to find something, evidence that he's an unfit parent. But she tells Aunt Mary Stuart Masterson, she's like, there's nothing. He's like, he's fine. <laughs> like, he, he sleeps her. a lot, but like, he's nice. She's a good kid. No problem. And her dopey brother, uh, is like demanding more money. They're like, like you said, like cartoon villains discussing over a table. What they come up with is, oh, well, he needs this job. So his job is to guard the place and make sure nobody gets in. So babysitter's brother and a bunch of his goons will go break in and tear stuff up and then he'll get fired from his job and then he'll lose custody. While the lawyer continues to try to get up from the table, but she makes him sit down. Like, she's some kind of Corella DeVille type. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bizarre. Uh, and they're sitting in a restaurant, and she berates the waiter. Like, the waiter comes over and is like, hey, what can I get for you guys? And she had a great line. She said something like, um, are you paid by the word, or can we have a moment? I love that line. Bitch, you're in a restaurant. Like, you need to order something. <laughs> this isn't a conference room. <laughs> Apparently that waiter is a YouTuber. He's one of the YouTubers who made um, who made the game famous. Oh, I didn't know that. In his line that he left with, I don't remember what the line was, was is a catchphrase of his on his YouTube channel. So, oh, fun. I think, Craig, honestly, this movie is probably filled with way more inside jokes than you and I understand. Oh, yeah, it must be. Yeah. I don't know. There's just, like, there's really no purpose 
for that ant character at all. No. And she comes back for five seconds later only to be killed off screen. Like, yeah, it's weird. Um, and so these thugs break in to Freddy's when Josh Hutcherson isn't there and they tear stuff up and steal all the money out of the games. That are this is a 40-year-old arcade <laughs> that is still mostly fully functional. Like, you, you talked about how electricity is a big part of the games. It's it's kind of a big part of the movie, too. Like, the electricity is kind of wonky or something, Matthew Lillard said. Yeah. You just have to flip the breaker and it'll be okay. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, and so <laughs> then this girl cop, who has showed up earlier. Oh. And the second she showed up, I'm like, who are you? Yeah. <sighs> this is dumb. I don't even remember. Oh, she just showed up randomly in the place, right? Yeah. I mean, later we kind of find out why. But at the moment, it I was just like, why is this cop here? It's like she's just doing the rounds or she just learned that there's a new security guard there or whatever. I don't know. She shows up and she talks to Mike and... It's just too obvious to me. Oh, they're trying to set her and him up to be love interests, or at least... Who is she? Why does she care? Like Vanessa. Obvi- Vanessa. Obviously, there's some... Reason. She's got to be connected to something, right? Yeah. Why is she just lingering around? And she, like, introduces him to the animatronics, like, they're people. <laughs> like, yeah. And, God, and she tells him a creepy story. She was, like, exposition girl for a while. Well, well, she does she even tell him the story, or does she just allude to it? Like It's a basic one. She says, oh, some kids went missing back in the 80s. In the 80s. A bunch of kids went missing. She tells him, hires never last, and he's going to quit. Just a word of advice to you. Don't let this place get to you. Just do your job, and everything will be fine. His dream is now infested with these ghost kids that have come out of nowhere, and his sister, you know, has these imaginary friends, and God, it's all so convoluted. But ultimately... These guys all die, first of all. Well, yeah, the the thugs go in, they tear stuff up, the animatronics come alive and kill them all. And very, like, this movie is not graphic or gory at all. PG-13 is the completely appropriate rating. Yeah, it is appropriate. There was one scene I was kind of surprised by when one of the... I think it's the the babysitter character, right? She's the last one to die. And while she's walking down the hallway, you see one of those kids from his dream, one of the ghost kids. Yeah. And he says, hey, follow me. And so she kind of walks after it, because why wouldn't you? Right. uh, Into a... uh, the back room, I guess it's where they repair the animatronics or it's just a storage room. Yeah. She sees Freddy Fazbear just standing there and she goes up to look in his mouth because he's open and he's kind of chattering. And this kid's hand reaches out of the mouth. And then we see a shadow on the wall of the hand grabbing her, pulling her into his mouth. But then he chomps down on half of her body, basically. And then we see half of her body fall to the floor. That was pretty graphic. Like, up to a point, I was thinking... But you only see it in shadow. No, not the body fall. You see the body fall full on. You see all everything up to that point in shadow. Totally, it was just... Oh, I just kind of wish they went one way or the other, you know? Either make it a goofy kind of kids movie, or try to make it like a scary, gory kind of movie, like, frankly, I was expecting. It wasn't either. No, it wasn't scary at all. No. And and it is very strange tonally because um, then the babysitter doesn't show up to babysit for the, her next shift because she's dead and bitten in half. <laughs> and right. so Josh Hutcherson has to take his sister to work with him. And he sets up a little like uh, fort, like a little tent for her to sleep in and says, whatever happens, don't leave mm. my office. Um, and he falls asleep and she gets up to go to the bathroom and she leaves the office and she sees the, uh, animatronics and she's like, I know you're in there. You may as well come out. And they like light up and they start coming out. Like it's kind of scary. And then he wakes up to her screaming and he goes in and she's like, Haha, they wouldn't stop tickling me. And they're all friends. Yes. But like, <laughs> isn't this the point where like, he's they obviously build a fort and Vanessa comes in. But I think, <laughs> is that the same night? I, yeah. I thought that like that they came alive and then he's like, we have to go and they left and then they came back. Yeah. You know, you're right. It's the fourth night. Yeah. It, like he knows now that these things are like sentient and move around of their own free will. And 
respond and react like people. And yes, because they go home and he talks to her about it and he's like, uh, your friends. And she's like, uh, they're ghosts. And he's like, yeah, he's like, duh, how can they make the robots? How else would they make the robots move? So now not only does he know that these robots move around on their own, but he also knows that they are inspired by the souls of dead children (laughs) and he just takes her back there (laughs) it's true it's the ghost children possessing robots which i think probably in a video game that you're really invested in you're probably just gonna go with but in a movie it just like whoa (laughs) but vanessa then shows up and she also knows about this and yes she she also shows up at his house at one point and takes him for a little walk like you know ugh. apparently they haven't found or nobody has reported missing nor does anybody care that these five thugs including his babysitter who for the third night now he hasn't been able to get a hold of right are gone it's just dropped as quickly as uh him beating up that guy in the beginning Right. That would really bother me. I'm like, because you expect there to be some investigation, you know? No. And there's a cop involved. Yeah, so. it's the only cop in town. <laughs> right. And, and, and then they're all there together, and she, like, it's just kind of shrugged off. Josh Hutcherson's like, you knew about this all along. She's like, yeah. yes i did know about the ghost children anyway oh my god there's a musical montage a musical montage with the robot where they play and build a giant fort and then they all lay in the fort together and everything's fine the rabbit falls backwards and gives him a high a thumbs up when they ask if he's okay (laughs) and then josh hutcherson and vanessa go talk alone somewhere and I don't remember what they talk about. He confronts her. Why do you know so much about this place? And uh, he thinks he can get Abby to get the ghost children to tell him what happened to Garrett. Right. Because right. He, they're invading his dream. So suddenly, somehow, there must be some connection. And she's being shifty. And when they go out to the main room, Abby is having a dance party with the robots. But then she reaches out to touch the guitar. And this must be a part of the mo- of, of the games. Right. Because Vanessa seems to know that this is going to be a problem. She's like, no, 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 and, sh- and it shocks her. Like electrocutes her. It, everything's fine, though, because it's morning, and Josh is, uh, Mike is walking Vanessa out, and for no apparent reason, almost as though there were scenes missing, Yes, she just su- suddenly says, well, you can do whatever you want with your own life, but if you ever bring Abby back here again, I'll shoot you. That was so crazy because they had just been having a lovely time. Like, yes. it's not it's not like she was trying to get them out of there. It's not like she was trying to dissuade no. them from interacting. She like, never. She was totally de- chill with it. And then all of a sudden she just flips. It was nuts. Yeah. And so then, like, Mike talks to the ghost kids and says, um, can you help me remember who took my brother? And they're like, the blonde one is like, well, what if we did, what would you give us? And he says, anything you want. And so then more movie happens. And then he talks to the ghost kids again and the ghost kids, he's back in his dream, but the dream is different. Instead of his brother going off, the brother stays and they're all like, his whole family's just sitting there eating together. And uh, Mike's like, wait, this isn't right. This isn't how it happened. And the ghost kids like, no, but it can happen like this. You can have this every night. You can be with them again, which seems like kind of a lame offer anyway. Yeah. But then the ghost kid's like, but remember, you said you'd give us anything you want. And Mike's like, what do you want? And the kid's like, we want Abby. And he's like, no, no, I could never do that. And the ghost kid's like, come on. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's the deal like they start running around they cut him up he wakes up and he's strapped to that machine who is strapping this guy to this machine the animatronics what is this machine for what does it do i right i don't know like i didn't know if it was like gonna make him one of them or something like that it really just seems like a saw trap like a torture thing and and right like The, the kids had sliced him up in his dream and then he, you know, the animatronics were chasing him and one of them gets him 
but doesn't kill him, which also doesn't make any sense. Like, they just killed everybody else. Why wouldn't, if they just want Abby, why wouldn't they just kill him too? Yeah. Oh, God. And, and the reason that they're all pissed off now is because he promised them Abby, but now he's not giving her up. And so, like, one of them, I think it's Freddy, goes to Abby's house. Yes, this was so weird, right? Like, back at the house, Abby's locked herself in a room because she's pissed off about something. Oh, she's pissed off at the aunt, which, by the way, he calls the aunt to come over to babysit. Yeah. So when Abby comes in, she looks at them and th- I think sort of thinks that, th- that he's signed him over to her aunt. Right. So she gets pissed and she runs off. And he's like, no, 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 it's not what, what it looks like. Why did he just fucking tell her, don't worry, She's your aunt is only babysit. here to babysit you? Right. Why is there so much drama here? It's, it's just a way to get her to lock herself in a room. Right. And now that I know that one of the games takes place in like a bedroom and the robots have come there, that's the only explanation why this would be in the movie, that now Freddy Fazbear somehow has made it all the way from wherever the restaurant is to her bedroom. Uh-huh. He knows where she is. He knows where she lives. He knows where her bedroom is. He goes in. He kills the ant off screen. And he, she's like, well, how are we going to get there? And there's a taxi waiting outside. Yeah. So, so he called a taxi? <laughs> Apparently. And and then the, the taxi driver is surprised but cool with it that like a giant <laughs> animatronic <laughs> it's supposed to be a joke right like yeah. oh, oh the, you're joke. not the craziest person i've picked up tonight yeah it's obviously a joke. but it's just totally it's off god but and it's so stupid because somehow uh mike he and vanessa are talking oh at a police supply outpost whatever that <laughs> is police supply <laughs> outpost where she gives him a cattle prod and a taser because electricity is the answer they run on electricity electricity is the answer oh my god don't get me started on this <laughs> she tells him okay so like he's like why are the kids doing this are they evil and she's like no they're not evil it's just that you know they they're all in love with the yellow bunny and the yellow bunny can make them do things and ah, i'm sorry i didn't tell you but the yellow bunny is my dad (laughs) and he also kidnapped your brother (laughs) and it's not just the ghosts inside the machine it's their bodies i'm like what no like how do you fit the bodies of children in these animatronics and i'm sorry if nobody <sighs> looks for them fine nobody looked for them but there are just rotting corpses in there <laughs> nobody smelled nobody them smelled them or anything like that right come on no one of my favorite lines is after all of this is revealed in this one scene she goes i tried to warn you i really did try in my own way but it's too late now <laughs> I'm like, yeah, your way was pretty unique. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, like, he goes back. She won't go with him. She's, because it's her dad. She's like, I can't face him. I wouldn't be any help to you. Oh, God. She was willing to be at that restaurant every night. Like, she returns there every single like day. hanging out. Yeah. Hanging out, doing all that stuff. But now she won't go? It's it's it, oh my god. And so we 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 have seen children's drawings with this big yellow bunny, but we've never seen it. There's there's like a, a chick and a bun a blue bunny and the bear and the fox and maybe another one, I don't know. But uh we've never seen this big yellow bunny. So then they've got Abby there, the animatronics do, and Josh Hutcherson sneaks in through the ventilation and then just so silly, like spills a little water on the floor <laughs> and, then, and then and then so that it's like at the feet of a couple of the animatronics who are on stage just you know doing their show minding their business right and, uh, and and he like uses the cattle prod and that electrocutes them and takes them out like it's yeah. so easy right to take them out another one i don't remember which one he just tases and it's done donezo yeah um, and the fox is following uh, Abby and almost gets her. But then Vanessa does show up. I guess she changed her mind. And then the yellow bunny appears and he comes out and he's like huge and hulking. And he talks. He's the only one of them that talks. The rest of them just lip sync to that same song over and over again. But the bunny comes out. And I don't even remember what he says. But he like he, he monologues. Yeah, for quite a while. 
even takes his helmet off for a brief moment. Just It's like total Scooby-Doo, right? Yes. He takes his hat off so that he can monologue a little bit, but then he puts it back on. But he takes it off to reveal that he's Matthew Lillard. Yeah, yeah. And Matthew Lillard is Vanessa's father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And he, mo- he monologues to Josh Hutcherson. He monologues to Vanessa. Oh, he tells Vanessa, you had one job, one. Keep them in the dark and kill them if they get too close. Like, what? And she says, that's two jobs. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But also, Vanessa, wasn't it the second night that she told him pretty much half of what he needed to know? Like, without being forced to? Like, like she was really terrible at her job. Let's just put it that way. And she's a terrible person. (laughs) Because she knows that her father is a serial child murderer, and she's a police officer. This is the weird thing about the whole movie. Like, what is keeping her protecting her father? I I don't get it. I mean, maybe there's some explanation out there somewhere, but it's got to involve magic. Because I don't see what her character motivations are for any of what she does. Why is she chumming up with him? Why does she just tell him right off the bat these are ghost children and the animatronics, you know? Why does she keep coming back? Why does she let them all play together? Why does they have fun building a fort together? And then she says, don't bring them back here. Or I'll shoot you. (sighs) Oh. It's it just doesn't great. make sense. No, yeah. and then, I don't know, they fight the big yellow rabbit, and what are they... He Well, first, he reanimates all the other animatronics somehow, just by magic. Right, like, it's gotta be... It, 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 he just, like, calls to them. Well, I mean, I guess it's because it's not really... It's the ghost children. That doesn't make any sense either. Like, why... Why do the ghost children like him and do his bidding? Well, it's because... You know why? There's, it's because there's cute pictures of them yes. all together. <laughs> There's an earlier conversation in the movie between the doctor and Mike when they're looking at Abby at the school and they're talking about what's wrong with her or whatever. You know, he talks about how all she does really is draw pictures all day. And the doctors are like, pictures are good. Pictures are, are, this is normal. Kids communicate from pictures. Do you know that pictures are the very first way that children ever learn to communicate anything. Imagery, you know, is the most powerful form of communication. I'm like, all right, well, there's going to be a reason for this. And it comes up right here at the end where magically, uh, M. Night Shyamalan signs style, this girl has the secret formula to communicate with these ghosts. You can't talk to them, apparently, unless you're in a dream. All you can do is draw a picture of the yellow rabbit being mean right. and replace the picture on the wall of him being nice with the picture of him being mean. And I guess that communicates to the children that, no, actually, the rabbit you've been following all this time is really mean. And as soon as she sticks it up on the wall, magically they all are aware of it and they immediately turn on him. Yeah, but do they even do anything? Because does like... It's like his do? costume turns on him. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> what? It's so weird. Like they don't even do anything. Like it's like they just magically will his costume to like implode on him. Yeah, it's like the most poorly designed costume ever. First of all, like we said earlier, it was set up that these costumes have animatronics in them and that some bits of it are spring loaded, which are supposed to try to protect the person inside from the animatronics. But clearly, like, they're spring-loaded in the wrong direction. Right! Because instead of protecting the person, they're forever in danger of impaling that person in, like, a little death trap inside. And that's exactly what it does to him. Oh, God. Right. And so then, right after that, like, I feel like it cuts to the immediate future where Abby is thriving. She's doing great. She's doing great in school. Uh, everything's fine at home. They visit Vanessa, who's in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. And, and then, what happened to the aunt? Did they just, like, already bury just, her and get yeah, over she's her? Dead. Like, <laughs> they're over it. She's not a threat anymore. And then the very last scene is one of the animatronics just closing the door on the still dying yellow bunny. Like, I don't understand the timeline here. This, like, he's been dying for days i thought he was waking back up oh god i don't know the only thing i couldn't understand is after all that happened this place still exists right like what why didn't somebody go back there and like clean it up uh take the ghost animatronics away or disassemble them or burn the place down they have the knowledge now uh I don't know. Uh, You know, there's a lot I don't understand about this movie. I don't believe that these robots can get up and move around as fast as they seem to because 
man, they just seem to be able to whip around that place real fast when the camera's not on them, which is actually kind of like how the game is. I don't understand how they maintain power because they're not plugged into anything, so they must have batteries or something. They said something about they've got some sort of regenerative cell. That's an, that's part of the reason why they have to move around because they have to oh. like. Oh God! I don't believe there could be bodies in them. Like you said, no. I don't understand how they could have decomposed and and still nobody found them. Why don't they just cut power to the whole place? Right. If they want to fix every like every single time they had this problem, like she's like bring this cattle prod. Electricity is the key. Well, why don't you just cut the power and wait until day? And then uh, go in there and start tearing them apart. You know, bring the cops yeah. in. I yeah, I it, it's. Not. And what's the deal with this? No, dude. What's the deal with this career counselor? Is this his sole job? Is to I pose as a career counselor, give career advice, and hook people up with jobs until he finds the right person to go to to send to his thing? Yeah, I think he's just a career counselor who also happens to be a maniac and a child murderer. And and why does he need to? It seems like the place can take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense. The reason that I'm disappointed in this movie is because I think that there was a lot of potential. I think that the video games are, I, you know, again, I haven't played them, but just the imagery, the idea of it, I think has a lot of potential. And I just don't think that this script is great. I didn't hate it. It was kind of fun to watch. Like, I, I can imagine a scenario in which it would be really fun to watch. Yeah. You know, maybe with friends, and the script is kind of nonsense. <laughs> it is. But I didn't hate... I didn't hate it. It was still kind of a fun movie. It's just... it's. It was a little disappointing. Uh, it just made me want to see Willy's Wonderland because I just have this feeling Willy's Wonderland is the movie I wanted to see. Yeah, I hate to say this because that uh, it was silly too, but the uh, Banana Splits movie was better than this one, I think. Mm. It, it really leaned hard into the silliness too. And I don't remember a ton about it, but I kind of feel like I liked it better. Well, it, was it a little more tonally consistent though? Because this movie felt like... It wanted to be a little bit of everything. It wanted to be a kid's know. movie, but it also was trying to be scary, but it wasn't scary. But then it was trying to introduce all this crazy backstory and lore. All this stuff with him and his dreams, that's like a whole other level kind of movie. All this deep psychological him tormented by these dreams and these kids appearing in his dreams over and over again. Like at some point, it feels like it's not even about animatronics at all. It's about these sort of ghostly visions and... What can these ghosts do for him and solve his problem? You know, it was just a mishmash of a lot of things. And I was scratching my head through the most of it. I really wanted to like it, too. I just, at some point, I just was like, all right, well, this is just going to be dumb. I'll sit through the rest of it and enjoy it for what it is, you know. This was Bloomhouse's most successful opening of a film ever. Yeah, I saw that. That's but the opening doesn't tell you anything. That just tells you about anticipation. Yeah, right. But I know, but it was it was hugely successful, which surprised me because it premiered on streaming a day before it premiered in theaters. Mm, yeah, you could just as easily. Yeah, you could just as easily just watch it at home. But people went out and saw it, and it made a lot of money, and it recouped its budget just by selling the theatrical and streaming distribution rights. So yeah. it didn't have to do anything, yeah. but they they said from the get go, if it does well, we will make more of them. Mm -hmm. And Matthew Lillard claims that he signed a three picture deal. So it's gonna happen. We will get a sequel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there will be a sequel to this movie. I actually hold out hope for the sequel because me too. I don't normally read the reviews too much on these before we do the podcast, but I was just so baffled by it. I had to go and see what the tomato meter said, and it was like you know thirty percent Rotten Tomatoes critics, eighty percent audience. And I thought, yeah, that's not necessarily unusual, especially for a horror movie. And when I dove down deep into the reviews and started reading some of it, it seemed like the most kind reviews to the movie were those that were constantly putting out there that this is fan service. This movie is fan service. It's crammed full of Easter eggs and references and lore. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I'll bet. If I was watching this movie and thrilled by every time some little reference to one of the nine games comes up, I would have walked away from it really, really giddy. Sure. You know, 
despite the ridiculousness of it, it would have been, oh, well, yeah, it was ridiculous because they threw in all these great Easter eggs. But for a guy coming in off the street who doesn't know anything about this, right. trying to make sense of this movie, uh, it was a frustrating and silly experience. And then when you throw on top of that, that just tonally, it's all over the place, it was really hard for me to kind of emotionally get invested in it yeah. in any real way. But that makes me happy for the fans. Like, yeah, good for them. Cause, cause I love when something like that happens for me. You know, I've, I've already gone on and on about Chucky, so I don't need to talk about it more, but I, look, look, I'm a sucker for some fan service. Um, Oh, me too. So I'm, I'm happy for those folks. You're right. You know, me, you know, coming into it blind didn't really do much for me, but I didn't hate it. It was fine. If you are a fan of the video games or God, I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't discourage anybody from seeing it. If you're interested, watch it. It's not bad. It's not a waste of time. I I think maybe I might I had a little bit too much anticipation for it. But yeah, I don't want to be a jerk about it either because it wasn't terrible. It just it was kind of silly, but whatever. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we've. We've seen silly before. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Go there. Five bucks uh, a month will get you access to our unedited episodes, mini-sodes that we do, little write-ups that we do from time to time, as well as a lot of behind-the-scenes chatter between us and our patrons about all kinds of random things uh, and all things horror. Go on there and check it out. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of patrons, time to hear from one of our patrons. Last week we heard from Gary, and this week we are hearing from Caroline. Hey, Chainsaw fam. It's your favorite living dead girl, Caroline. (laughs) Uh, I found you guys looking at poor movie podcasts on Spotify, like the logo. I needed a break from murder shows. Real life stories are frightening. So (laughs) Uh, I usually listen to you guys at work or when I'm in the car all the times alone. It's my me time. My favorite episode is the violent night. It was really hilarious you guys (laughs) talked it up i still haven't seen it but i listened watched it so it counts (laughs) favorite horror film right now it's terrifier 2 that movie rocked my socks off it was so good uh i just love it so much uh what do i love about horror movies i love that it's safe scary because there's so much real shit in life that's horrifying and actually scary so Horror movies are a way to get scared safely and escape the real world, even if it's just for a minute and you get sprinklings of humor. So, And I love the extremes in this genre. Chef's kiss. Good stuff, man. That's nice. Wow. Great to hear from Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree with her. I think we've talked about this before, but that uh, that is kind of the appeal. You get the adrenaline of fear, but in the safety of your own home. Mm. I don't think that we can ever adequately explain it to people who just don't get it. Like you either just do get it or you don't. Yeah. We've talked about it before. I, you know, I should find that article where it was, I think it was around the pandemic when the pandemic came around, at least it was posited or maybe there was a study done and, you know, some massive poll. Are you a horror fan and how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, It seemed to have more or less come to this conclusion that, the more of a horror fan you were, the more you were able to cope with the uh, crazy, scary uncertainty of the pandemic. And maybe there is some truth to that, that you've sort of practiced in advance, you know, experiencing something horrible, but in a safe way. So that when it actually happens to you, it doesn't feel so new and threatening. It feels like something you might be able to manage, emotionally anyway. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, and thank you so much to the rest of uh, you patrons. If you would like to leave us a message, patron or not, just go to our website again, chainsawhorror.com. You're going to find a link with a little microphone on it. Click it to go to SpeakPipe and uh, leave a quick 90-second message right from your browser, and that will get uploaded straight to us. You don't have to do anything else. We love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much. Until that next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Greg. With two guys and a chainsaw. (laughs) 